Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, September 5th, 2022. This is the SipStack podcast on Substack, read by myself, author Ryan Cipriani. And this week, we have a theme for what we're going to be talking about in all three of our articles each day. Our edition today is entitled Krog the Battle Prince, a breakdown of my process, inspiration, and challenges. Now, I hope those of you who are able to slept in today and are getting some well-deserved rest and relaxation. Um, I'm going to return to the normal morning cadence starting tomorrow, but with it being a holiday and I also wanted to, you know, take a nice little rest and my girlfriend and I went out for an adventure to the the mall today. It was really nice. Um, We're taking it easy this afternoon and releasing in the middle of the afternoon instead of very first thing in the morning. So again, for those of you who We're also able to kind of get out into the world, spend some time with your loved ones, and uh, take a little bit of a a relaxing break from from everything. Um, Really excited for you. Hope that it was a a good relaxing day. Um, Those of you who are still working, again, I always call out those in the service industry, having been there myself, um, or anybody else that does not work like a normal 9 to 5 Monday through Friday where you don't necessarily get the cool holidays off. Just want to say thank you very much for the time and effort that you do put in. It is noticed. It is appreciated. Now, this week, as I discussed in my Sunday update, we're going to deep dive Krog the Battle Prince and talk about my process, my inspirations, and challenges. This is not simply to give you a glimpse into the inner workings of my mind, but also to lay out a roadmap for newer writers to help them understand the kind of undertaking uh, that this is and how to avoid some of the mistakes that I made. We'll go through where I found inspiration, the hows and whys of Krogh's saga, and what from my world I use to make his feel as vibrant as possible. This will also be an opportunity to discuss many of the other lessons we've been working on throughout the last few months and show them in action. You'll learn a lot when you write a million-word saga, and I'm thrilled to pass on some of those learnings to you. So let's get into it. This week we'll be opening up the storybook and heading deep into the world of Krogh, the Battle Prince. Article 1, Beyond the Great Hall, the genesis of Krogh's world, and what I wrote down before writing anything down. Although I began writing Krogh the Battle Prince at 27, the idea actually had its genesis in similar fantasy epic I had mapped out when I was 14 years old. At the time, it was my dream to write an epic trilogy like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. I was pretty well versed in Greek mythology, Arthurian legend, and some classic literature, and I decided I wanted to write my own. Now, this began in the form of several pieces of poster board tacked up on my bedroom wall. Armed with a small stockpile of Sharpies, I began to craft the idea web that would shape Krogh's world. I started with names of the main characters. Back then, they were Ryoar, Gavizorm, Lace, and Korin. Only Lace and Korin would make the final cut. I started webbing different factions of power in the world, like the Griffin Riders, and key locations like the continent of Fanfara, which would eventually just become a city. Major gods and religions, key artifacts or items, plot points, critical events, they all went into the web. And it got bigger and more complicated as my world building became more involved. For weeks, I constructed what eventually would be the bones of Krogh's world. Of course, when I, at age 14, sat down to start writing the thing, I realized I had no idea how to pull together what were essentially design elements into a functioning manuscript. And after several false starts, I instead learned how to play guitar and would spend the next decade trying to become a rock star instead of a writer. But that's another story. At 27, amid a career change from performer to corporate, I returned to those webs. I found them covered in dust in a trip back home to Ohio one winter, and my mind started spinning. 
I started back into the waters of being a writer. My second world building attempt was more focused and organized. I grabbed what I could from the idea web and started hurriedly recording them in a little red notebook I had on me. It was meant for song lyrics at the time, uh, but it quickly turned into something much different. It would become the Bible in which I would design Krogh's world and the epic saga I had always wanted to write. There were a few more false starts after that, until one night I sat down to write a humorous take on Beowulf, where the hero goes into the forest to slay the monster but ends up making friends with it instead. In that moment, my barbarian ruler and his best friend, a troll, were born. When I woke up the next morning, I had a name in my head. Krog, the Battle King. I knew in that moment that I was not ready to write the Battle King. But I was pretty sure I could write a prince. Someone who could grow and change and evolve. Like my own writing. Like my own life experiences. Thusly, I started the first official tale of my newfound hero, the Battle Prince and the Merchant Lord's Daughter. Tomorrow, our journey continues with the agony and ecstasy of pantsing and how I would approach this saga differently if I wrote it now. Article 2. Croak. A critical response to the ridiculousness of fantasy. I co-host another podcast with a buddy of mine called The B-Siders, where we review aggressively average movies. Not good movies, nor movies so bad they're good, just dead-of-the-middle-of-the-road fine films. We discuss what makes them so painfully average and why. In a recent episode, we took on Conan the Barbarian from 2011. My co-host commented on how Krogh's saga seemed to be a critical pushback against many of the tropes of the sword and sorcery world and fantasy. And he was right. I very intentionally wrote Krogh as both an homage and a satire. Now, I didn't want to write something that was harmful to the genre or mean-spirited, but I also felt that there were certain stupidities that needed to be pointed out. Some of those are pretty subtle and often require a pass or two of the reading to divine the kind of wicked needling I wove into my sarcastic take on high fantasy. Some of the satire is much more on the nose and is not especially well masked. And it's often not supposed to be. One of my favorite wisdoms regarding comedy is don't hide the joke. Don't make humor so opaque that no one gets that it's supposed to be funny. There's a lot of goofball slapstick mayhem in Krogh's series. There's also a good bit of dry wit and snarky banter so that it doesn't come across completely unserious. I want to walk you through a few characters, plot points, and themes that are present in Krogh's saga to push back against fantasy tropes. They're meant to expose the ridiculousness of how fantasy has been written in the past and cut against the grain of epics that take themselves very seriously. This is a mild spoiler warning. I will talk about a few storylines that will give away some of the action of Krogh's saga and may take some of the mystique out of certain characters. It's also why I'm doing this as a general introduction today and not a full deep dive just yet. If you want to preserve some of the magic or just keep the stories fully unspoiled, you've been warned. Article 3. Inspirations. Scale the Dragon. Krogh's world was largely a messy amalgamation of my world at the time. I pulled in lots of inspiration from my day-to-day -day when I wrote it to craft as believable a fantasy world as I could. Some of those are rather unexpected or more carefully hidden, and I'd love to share some of those inspirations with you. Scale the Dragon uh, receives um, quite the proper character breakdown in the bonus material in Volume 3 of Krogh's Saga. It details some of his grosser proclivities and how and why I crafted his personality. He's actually going to feature later in the week in my trope section as well, but I wanted to give the basic inspiration for arguably the series' most iconic character. 
When I wrote Krogh, I was working in the lobby of a luxury hotel in Orlando, Florida. That lobby had a red macaw in it. And I was stunned at how expressive the bird's eyes and beak could be, considering they were essentially fixed and not muscular like ours. Further, I was blown away that the bird could fill a 20-story atrium with its voice, especially from such a small animal. Scale's bony visage was largely based on the macaw. His face is all ridges of horns and scale, yet he's supremely expressive and emotive. Further, his ability to communicate with a fully-sized dragon by speaking in a voice a thousand times his size came from watching the macaw shout up to the top floors. And the bird's gorgeous plumage also directly inspired Scale having feathers instead of leather in his wings. This is why I encourage writers to be great observers. Inspiration is everywhere. I'm really thrilled uh, to talk about Krogh this week, and I hope that you find some learnings in my process. Thank you so much for going on this journey with, you, with me. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone.